Hi, Guy Powell here, and welcome to the next episode of the Backstory on the Shroud of Turin. If you haven't already done so, please visit GuyPowell.com and sign up for more episodes. Today we'll be talking with Pete Schumacher. We are on site in Alamogordo, New Mexico. He is one of the original STIRP members and owner of the Shroud Exhibit and Museum in Alamogordo, New Mexico. And I think the ownership may actually be the wrong term, but please clarify that when we get there. Okay. As you can see, uh, things are definitely a little bit different today. We're actually in, uh, in Pete's church and we're doing the recording. And so uh, looking forward to some of the insights, or many of the insights that Pete, uh, Pete has. Of course, I am the uh, author of the newly released book, The Only Witness, A History of the Shroud of Turin. And it is a Christian historical fiction tracing a possible yet plausible history of the Shroud over the last two millennia. So let's get started. Let me tell you a little bit about Deacon Pete Schumacher. He is uh, known as a VP8, uh, VP8 engineer, and I'll talk a little bit about that. Although he didn't go to Turin, he was one of the original STIRP members, and STIRP, S-T-U-R-P, stands for Shroud of Turin Research Project. And uh, he worked with uh, John Jackson and others using the VP8 image analyzer. Now the VP8 image analyzer, we're going to talk about that right away. It is critical and one of the unique findings of what's uh, on the shroud. So Pete, tell us a little bit about your backstory on the shroud and how you got involved in the Shroud of Turin. <laughs> well, I got involved in the shroud because I was a production manager for the VP8 image analyzer and in 1976, Two guys from the Air Force Academy were doing some research on the Shroud, and they didn't tell us that. <laughs> they just said they were doing research on the Shroud. And, or, pardon me. I don't know how do I say that. They were doing some research. They didn't tell us what the research was about, okay? Or didn't tell me about it anyway. And they wanted a, a VP-8 system uh, given to them or loaned to them so that they could do uh, some studies on the Shroud. They looked for a volunteer to deliver the unit that was uh, given to them or loaned to them, however that was, uh, back in 1976, and uh, volunteer to go deliver the instrument. Uh, well, I have a sister and a brother-in-law, two nephews and a niece that lived in Colorado Springs, and I said, hey, I'll go out there and deliver that. Uh, if you'll pay for the gas, I'm on my way. And that was how I wound up uh, encountering Shroud for the very first time at uh, uh, Eric Jumper's house uh, at his uh, landing on the way down to his basement. Uh, we installed uh, the system there and uh, trained him on how to use it. And they handed me a picture uh, and said, uh, we want to see the isometric projection, the, the 3D mapping of brightness uh, from this instrument. Well. <laughs> Uh, when they showed me the picture, I put it on the table and focused it and brought it up and fiddling with the knobs on the isometric projection, all of a sudden, I'm looking at the contour of a person. And I said, wow, what's this? And they said, Shroud of Turin. I said, great, what's that? <laughs> <laughs> so that was my introduction to the Shroud and to uh, John Jackson and Eric Jumper and uh, they had actually, John Jackson had actually witnessed that image uh, projected that way, processed that way through a VP8 image analyzer in 1970, 
75 or perhaps late 75, early 76. I'm not exactly sure of those dates. At Sandia Laboratories in Albuquerque, at a, uh, Bill Modern's uh, laboratory at Sandia, uh, they decided they put uh, an image of the shroud into this VP8 image analyzer, and for the very first time, anybody saw a real-time full map of the image on the shroud, and it comes out 3D. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> yeah, what a uh, what a surprise, and that is definitely one of the big. The big things that uh, that happened, and certainly those three names—John Jackson, Bill Modder, and Eric Jumper—they are really the three that started, I guess, the, uh, the really this whole STIRP research and everything. That like was, that. yeah, that got a lot of people excited, and uh, especially John Jackson and Bill Modern, and their enthusiasm and excitement uh, was accelerated when John went back to Colorado Springs and showed it to. Uh, Eric Jumper and uh, some of their colleagues, and one thing led to another, and there's a rapid expansion of interest because this is a unique happening. It, this, if you take normal images and you uh, process them through a VP8 image analyzer, they don't come out 3D. They come out with a map of brightness, which is little, if any, related to real height or depth until you get to the shroud. Uh, and so the first real-time way to view that, that was, that was quite shocking. And so they began collecting uh, interest from other people uh, by pictures that they were showing of what they had mm. seen down in, in uh, Sandia Laboratories in Albuquerque. Well, to me, uh, that 3D image is just as significant as Secundopia in 1898 showing that image in black and white when he was taking the first incredibly rough <laughs> picture of the uh, of the shroud you know back then which modern technology uh, but that was really the first or one of the first black and white images of the shroud and then this is then just as probably just as significant I would say uh, if you take a photograph back in the day of Secundopia uh, you're expecting to make a print of what you see what you what you're taking a picture of. Uh, but when you develop a negative and you get a result like <laughs> what that he got, that, that's not going to happen with other pictures. It just simply doesn't happen that way. If you look at the total content of what he was taking a picture of and what you, you would ultimately expect to get is a print that is what you saw, uh, that's quite shocking to look at the negative and, and get that result. Well, the same thing is true here. If you, if you uh, are making brightness maps of things, uh, you don't expect them to turn out to have a, a three-dimensional aspect to them that is <laughs> truly shocking uh, to look at. Uh, I'd say that there are two very modern discoveries about the shroud that occur because of photography and image processing. Uh, the first, of course, Secundopia in his negative, and the second, of course, equally, I believe, as you were suggesting, uh, equally as uh, <laughs> shocking, uh, is the three-dimensional image that is produced in the 3D mapping or isometric plotting of the brightness values of the image of the shroud. Mm. So uh, tell us, just to be certain, what is the VP8 image analyzer? What is that? A VP8 image analyzer is, is a, an analog computer. It's wired to do 
certain processes of uh, images that are introduced through a video camera, typically. Um, its original purpose was to be used in studying Earth resources observation satellite images uh, from uh, Airwolf's data center in uh, North Dakota and uh, other things. Uh, it was used for all kinds of different images, uh, maybe even for quality assurance testing on casings or castings, uh, that sort of thing, where you might be looking for brightness variations that tell you something very specific about what it is you're, you're looking at. And so it would extract brightness information from images introduced by a video camera. That's all it did. It mm. was... Um, if you think about that, the way uh, it works, a video camera translates brightness into voltage. The brighter it is, the higher the voltage. The less bright it is, the lower the voltage. And so if you, if you can imagine making an isometric plot of all the brightness values in an image, then that isometric plot uh, just represents the variations in brightness, period. It doesn't, uh, uh, it's like random numbers almost, okay? And if we look at, uh, I'll say a mountain peak, and it's covered with snow, uh, well, that's brighter, so it's gonna go up. Well, there you go. Let's go take the same picture in the summer when the snow's melted and the dark rocks are showing very brightly, uh, but dark. Uh, well, it's not going to be anywhere near as bright as it was with the snow cover. So what looked like it was a real high mountain in the winter, it looks like a valley or a hole in the <laughs> ground in the summer because it's dimmer than the surrounding brightnesses, uh, brightness values, I guess I should say. Um, so that's kind of the way the instrument works. It's wired to do that. It's not, it, it's, it can't do program things like computers do nowadays where we can manipulate the numbers uh, to make things come out in a particular way. Uh, it just takes whatever the camera is putting out as brightness variations and plots them as isometric plot or 3D mapping of brightness. Yeah, I was surprised. Now, you have in the museum, the Shroud Exhibit and Museum in Alamogordo, where we are, uh, just down the street. Mm -hmm. A great place if you get a chance. Uh, there's some also some news coming up about that, but in the meantime, the, uh, that museum is awesome, got some great displays. One of the things, though, that you show is an image of Jesus' face versus an image of just a regular picture. And you don't get that same three-dimensional effect as you do in the uh, shroud image as opposed to the, the photograph. Right. Well, if you're, if you're taking a photograph of an artwork, it doesn't come out the same way as a photograph of the shroud. Okay, so if I take a photograph of the shroud and I make a brightness map of that photograph from the shroud, then it's going to make a brightness map that's 3D. Now let's take an artwork that was painted or drawn or whatever, uh, <laughs> sketched. You think of all the different things that have been thrown out there as being uh, possible to, to uh, make a 3D plot from uh, that comes out like the shroud. They don't do that. <laughs> Yep, they simply don't do that. And uh, the reason for that is because it's pigment, it's art interpretation of what was seen. It's not uh, actual brightness variations from the shroud.
And I think that's extremely important to know. One might consider that the energy, whatever caused the image that's on the shroud, that image on the shroud has brightness variations that are relative to distance, if you really get right down to it. So how do you do that? If you're an artist, why would you do that? I mean, okay, you're trying to contrive a three-dimensional function of brightness variations in what might be considered in some ways a photographic negative form, because if you take a photographic negative of the shroud, that's when you can see it best. This doesn't make any sense. I mean, there's not a plausible way to think that this is somehow contrived. Let's put it that way. Yeah, and actually that's the 3D qualities of the shroud image. If you were going to be a, if you were going to forge the shroud image, and if it was a forgery, if it was not the authentic burial cloth of Jesus, then you would have to, first of all, know how to draw in a three-dimensional way. And that technology, or that even consideration, just like a black and white photo, didn't even exist, you know, hundreds of years ago. And what would you do? Would you put down the blood first, or would you put down the image first? Oh, and by the way, would you put in the weave of the cloth first, or would you do it on a sketch pad? Come on, it's just, you know, it gets so far beyond ludicrous to think that this is anything other than some form of energy or some very different happening that caused this image than anything else. We have to remember, in this day and age, that was the first selfie ever. So no matter what you think, it's not Elvis. It's a picture of Jesus. And my belief and my understanding from the research I've done since 1976 is that that's the world's first selfie. However it was done. How true, how true. So, you know, and it's funny, too, the word selfie hadn't even been discovered yet. No, they hadn't thought of that at any time considering the shroud. That's so true. So let's do two things. Let's first of all talk about the Shroud Museum, exhibit and museum here in Alamogordo, and then we can talk as much as you'd like about the current status and what's going to happen here moving forward. So tell us about the museum and why you got started with it and all about that. Oh, wow. Okay. First of all, the museum, I don't own it. it. It is a nonprofit 501c3 New Mexico corporation. It uh, uh, is now operated and controlled by a board of directors and so on. And I'm not even on the board of directors. I'm semi-retired now, so I can be a volunteer. I get to do the fun stuff and not the business stuff so much, okay? Uh, which is wonderful. Um, the museum got started because of uh, a common friend here, Barry Schwartz, okay? Uh, I moved here to retire in Alamogordo in 2006, and that was my full intention, never to start any other business or a museum or anything else that came through to retire. Uh, well, okay, I moved here in 2006, and in 2008, in October, I got a call from Barry Schwartz, 
and he said, I got a call from the Discovery Channel, and they would like to get some video off of a VP8 image analyzer. He said, do you still have one of those? I says, yeah, I got one in my garage. Doesn't everybody? Uh, and uh, and uh, I said, send them down. Okay, so they came down, and we went to our public library here in Alamogordo, and we set up the, video, uh, the VP8, and they took video from that VP8 in October of 2008. That was part of a documentary called Unwrapping the Shroud, New Evidence, which aired for the very first time in December of 2008. If you bring a film crew from Discovery Channel to Alamogordo, New Mexico, you're going to raise some eyebrows. <laughs> and, uh, so uh, one of my friends who I knew here happened to be on the Chamber of Commerce and with the Small Business Development Corporation here. and and. Uh, he said, can I see that, you know? And I said, sure, I'll hook it up for you. And he, said, he says, you need to be showing this somewhere. I said, great, find me a window somewhere on a street, and I'll, I'll, I'll put up a little display, be fine. You no, know, you need to be doing more than that. And he presses on me until he finally introduces me to a guy who ran White Sands Mall here in Alamogordo. That's our big shopping mall. <laughs> And about oh, 15 minutes or half hour into that conversation, he said, would 1,900 square feet be okay? I said, no. <laughs> I said, I, I put it in one of the windows of you know, one of the vacant spaces or something like that, if you'd like. He says, I don't care what you do with the rest of the space. Well, I'm beginning to think he wants to rent me a space in the mall, and I can't do that. <laughs> and he, I said, I can't afford 1,900 square feet in the mall. And he said, I didn't say anything about affording it. <laughs> <laughs> so all of a sudden, we're donated 1,900 square feet in White Sands Mall next to the uh, J.C. Penney store across from the Hallmark next to the recruiting station, a prime location, with heat and air conditioning, and that's where we started. And we opened for our first uh, preview to grand opening in early February. And February uh, 29th, we uh, actually had our first grand opening. And... Uh, had guest speaker Barry Schwartz and some other people. And, uh, we didn't have much <laughs> for a display at that time. It was uh, 1,900 square feet with uh, pretty much a VP8 image analyzer and the monitors associated with that and uh, a big picture uh, from Barry Schwartz's uh, uh, archives, uh, research grade. We had to build a light table, everything. It was just an amazing thing. Well, that's all evolved, uh, all evolved over the years. We're coming up on our 15th anniversary. Um, we were, um, under the agreement we had with the mall, we were uh, uh, needed to move out of the mall because they had all the spaces rented. And somebody had asked for our space in addition to uh, the space they already had in the mall. And so that was our agreement. If they had a full house, then we would move. So they gave us a notice, and we moved. And we were given uh, a space in a building downtown Alamogordo. And so that was, what, about seven years ago or something like that. And uh, we moved uh, down to that building and have been operating there until very recently. Uh, and about a year ago or so, the building was donated to uh, the Shroud Exhibiting Museum. Uh, and about three weeks ago now, it was condemned <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
by the city of uh, Alamogordo because of a structural problem we found when we were trying to uh, utilize some of the other space within the building and we removed some uh, sheetrock in order to do that expansion and voila in the wall there's uh, some structural damage so uh, that was uh, a big turning point in the history of our uh, progress here so right now we're trying to figure out what we're going to do for our next home because we can't be open to the public temporarily until we uh, open up somewhere else but we're not going to go away we're going to open up somewhere else and all of that's in process and uh, a lot of good help coming along in that regard fantastic well that you have to open back up and it sounds like you are thank you that is awesome and uh, now just as an aside uh, we've still got a couple of more questions yet but sure uh, how can people find you on the internet uh, you can go to shroudnm.com uh, shroud nm is for new mexico okay so shroudnm.com <laughs> and uh, you can uh, email me through that uh, at pete at shroudnm.com p-e-t-e -E at shroudnm.com fantastic and uh, so shroudnm.com so uh, now getting back to uh, what you have in the museum obviously you have the vp8 image analyzer uh, but you have a couple of other things so in your what do you think? I know a lot. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You have, you have a ton of stuff in there. So what do you think is uh, like your most favorite uh, or most important item that's uh, that you have in the in the museum? <laughs> well, we have the only VP8 image analyzer on open and interactive display to the public and available for research. And we have a research grade image that was done by Barry Schwartz, properly illuminated, backlit. Uniform lighting, diffuse lighting, all kinds of other things went into that just to make it so that we could do those kinds of things. And um, we can certainly explain all of those things. And then we have a lot of exhibits about the other things, uh, things that have uh, been studied about the shroud, such as the carbon dating and all of the other wonderful things that uh, are out there concerning the shroud. And then I have some other images of the shroud that uh, I would like to put on display and we haven't been able to do that so much when we get a new place we're hoping mm -hmm. we'll be able to do some of that so fantastic yeah. now you can accept groups you can have buses come down you can we do have, lectures yeah uh, we can do remote uh, lectures at, at, uh, or even we've done missions and retreats and day long and three day long and multiple uh, talks over three days and all kinds of other things and that all of the proceeds for that go to the museum so any any contribution that's uh, made goes directly to support the museum um, but we do those things and we have a, a portable exhibit for doing mm -hmm. all of that um, then uh, yeah <laughs> we have had uh, busloads of people come through uh, we had a couple of busloads that came through from California during youth uh, uh, formation things and we had uh, uh, another pilgrimage tour that came through and the primary speaking uh, languages were French, uh, Spanish and English so we had two interpreters in the museum uh, that w we had provided and, and myself speaking English so we had three uh, going on all at once. That <laughs> uh, was uh, very exciting. First time uh, to do that it was uh, worked out pretty well. They were seemed very happy. Got good reviews. So, um, and uh, other groups. Uh, uh, 
busloads from Albuquerque, which is about three and a half hours away. We've had busloads from Tucson. That's what I was trying to think of earlier uh, that uh, come uh, over. Uh, it, yeah, we uh, we can accommodate tours. Um, not so much right now today because the museum's temporarily closed. But we hope to have a little bit larger space next time so that we'd be able to do larger tours and maybe uh, even get to a point where we could do some kind of conference or something else. Okay, so um, uh, we talked about the museum. Yeah. And uh, we talked about what's in it and what the, some of the really cool stuff. I mean, that image that you have uh, from Barry Schwartz's private collection of the, and then backlit with, mm -hmm. you know, with the right kind of lighting and everything. And then, of course, the star of the whole museum is the VP8 image analyzer. So if I were to go to the the exhibit, and uh, and let's say that I am maybe not quite a Christian believer or not, what message would you like to get across that they, when they leave there, what would you like them to uh, come across with? Well, <laughs> we hope that they've had an encounter with Christ. That's that's what we hope for. Okay. Uh, no matter what we think about or talk about concerning the shroud, it's not a picture of Elvis, okay? And so we just try to make it an open exhibit that people can come in and they can learn and experience. They can look at themselves on a VP8 isometric plot of brightness and see if they're 3D or not, you know, just to uh, simply come to understand some of the magnificent research that was done by wonderful scientists with great effort and, and great uh, review by peers and other things that have been there and available but are so, uh, shall we say, unfamiliar to the general public. So what we call uh, our mission is to make the Shroud of Turin an experience available to everyone. And let that speak to them. Uh, we, <laughs> we oftentimes invite uh, them to take uh, their cell phone camera off and do a uh, photographic negative on their cell phone. And when you do that, <laughs> and you can do that with any serious picture of the shroud, uh, you see what Secundo Pia saw 120 years ago, 1898. And you got to understand that nobody in the world ever saw the shroud that way until that very first photograph was made in 1898. And then you can walk over and look at a VP8 and say, nobody ever saw the shroud that way until 1976 <laughs> at a laboratory in Albuquerque, New Mexico. So, uh, you know, these are not things that... Uh, anybody would have planned to do if they were trying to make a forgery so that you get rid of some of this uh, shall I say contrived controversy that we kind of see happen oftentimes concerning the shroud and just let the shroud speak to them truthfully mm. that's kind of where we are what a powerful <laughs> message so we're recording this uh, right right before Christmas oh potentially uh, to me to me, you know, the, the gift of Jesus' birth is certainly up there. The Lamb of but God. But it's the mm -hmm. resurrection, in my, in, mm -hmm. I think, in all of our minds, that's really the proof of that gift. And the mm -hmm. shroud is also the proof of the resurrection. 
I believe, yeah, I believe that. Uh, we, we always say uh, uh, it's a uh, proof of the resurrection, but it's also a, a proven group of evidence concerning everything we read in the mm. Bible. And I mean everything we read in the Bible concerning Jesus' death and resurrection. So, yeah. Uh, you know, <laughs> you can look at the shroud all day long. It's not Elvis. He's the king, <laughs> but it's not Elvis the king. Okay? <laughs> so, we got to remember that the king is coming. He's coming at Christmas. And we're very happy about that. And let's keep the Christ in Christmas and in our hearts. Yes, amen, exactly. Well, Pete, thank you. I really appreciate it. Um, and really uh, the opportunity to speak with you and, and then just get you know your impressions and, and all of the work that you've done on the Shroud. Just wonderful. Thank you so much for, for that and the, certainly the time today. And again, they can reach you at? Pete at ShroudNM.com. And the museum at? Um, well, the museum phone number is temporarily down, I think, maybe, but it's on the, uh, it's on the internet. It's on, you can Google it. You can go to our website. You can find that number in many different ways, okay? Yep, and the, and the, uh, and the website is? ShroudNM.com. Fantastic. And there is a, a button on there to donate, oh, yes. to visit, to learn. Uh, but I think right now, uh, if our viewers and guests would uh, help to donate, that would be a wonderful opportunity to support that, this that great mission. That would be awesome, and we oh, so much appreciate it right now because we are definitely in transition and we're definitely going to need some help. So thank you for putting that plug in for us. Thank Absolutely. You no, it's such an important mission, and, and thank you so much for all you've done. So uh, with that... Thank you so much again, Pete, and uh, to the audience, uh, please stay tuned for many other videos in this series of the backstory on the Shroud of Turin, and please visit GuyPowell.com and sign up for more episodes, and if you like this one, please rate it with five stars. Pete, thank you so much. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you.